Open your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Anybody excited about Ohio State beating Alabama? Oh, yeah. And you're ready for the good news? Yeah, are you ready for this? This is. I was so stressed during that game because of this. Next Monday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, I go to Alabama for a meeting. And I'll be there with Dalton Robertson and Adam Pierce and all of these guys, friends of mine, preachers. We're, we're going to a seminar on, on planning, church planning. And it would have been so awful. There's nothing worse than an SEC fan after they've beaten you. You know what I mean? And I'm going to be so kind and gracious. Um, I, I, need, I need a jersey. I need an Ohio State jersey, an extra large so if anyone has one for me to borrow, uh, I'm going to represent. So it is, uh, it's, the, the, my meeting is going to be much better. That's, that's an, I don't even care if they beat Oregon now. I don't even care if they beat Alabama. Uh, all right, so let's, let's get to spiritual things. Now, I know for some of you, you've just had church. That's your religion. But let's, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, I, I do want to say this. 1 Peter is a book of consolation. It is, it's a book of encouragement and it's a book of help. Second Peter is a book of warning. It's a book of warning. And boy, do we need warning in this time? Now, that's not what this message is about. This is not a message about warning. My message today is Engage 2015. I've told you before, I love New Year's. It is, it's one of my favorite times because it's a, it's a time to start anew, isn't it? It's, it, it, now, don't raise your hand. How many of you messed something up in the last year? You know, you make your, your, your uh, resolutions, and I'm going to lose weight in this year. Well, I certainly failed that. I, uh, you know, I've, I've got this microphone. Can you see me okay? Can, are you able to, to see me around? Uh, I have won the battle against anorexia. <laughs> so this year, I got on the scale this morning, and it said one at a time, please. You know, so... I know, it's, I know it's time for me to, uh, to lose some weight. And so we, we all make these resolutions. I want to read you something. James Knox sent me an email, and uh, this is what he, he said. And as you know, Brother Knox, <laughs> he's a very challenging preacher. He said this, I would, like each of, I would like to ask each of you to join me in doing something in 2015. Let us make our spiritual faults and defects as serious a matter of prayer as we do our physical ones. Isn't that a good thing to think about? Then he says this, It seems an earache or sore elbow gets on the prayer list immediately, but anger, bitterness, laziness, etc. are tolerated year after year with no sense of need. May the Lord help us to be more concerned about the condition of the inner man than the outer man. How about that? You know, all the news shows, there's not really much in there on helping your spiritual condition. You can learn the best new diet, you know, the banana diet or the, the cabbage diet. Uh, the, the Snickers diet is the one that I'm on. I, I like that. Um, and then Johnny Pope, another preacher friend, he sent me a text and he said this, He said, I have given the Lord Jesus my life, and yes, 2015 as well, but I want to do better. I give Him my months, weeks, days, and hours. Hard to believe there were those surrounding our Lord in John chapter 11, attempting to help Him manage His time. He who inhabits eternity created time, then stepped into time to redeem us. Our Lord knows very well how to manage the time He created. This year, I want Jesus to manage me. He can do much more with my time than I can. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Now, both of those, aren't they great challenges? So, Brother, Brother Knox, while people are worried about the outer man, we as believers, we need to be more concerned with the inner man. Now, that doesn't mean that we ought to be slobs. 
Amen? Because the, the, the Bible does say man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And people always emphasize the God looking on the heart, but man still looks on the outward appearance. And so we as believers, we ought to be representatives of our Lord in our outward appearance. We, we don't want to be slobs. I always hate to see a preacher, you know, with that's just completely out of control physically. It's hard to have respect for that man. Amen? But the key is the inward man. And I think if the inward man is right, then the outward man will be right. So that's a good challenge. And then from Brother Pope, that idea of allowing God, giving God not only 2015, but every hour, every minute, every second of that time, that changes the way it looks. That changes the way that I behave. It changes everything. How are we going to do that? Well, we have a formula for it. We have a recipe for it here in Second Peter. Very familiar passage, Dr. Roy Thompson from Cleveland Baptist Church. Years ago, I heard him say this. You preachers, don't be afraid to preach familiar texts. So this is a familiar text to us at Grace Baptist. But we're going to add a new spin to it today to think about this new year. How many of you want to do better in 2015 than you did in 2014? Amen. I don't want to, to go backwards. I want to move ahead. So let's start in verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So now, let me tell you who this book is written for. People who have received like faith. You see what it says? Have obtained like precious faith. What faith? Faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today, are you saved? If you died today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? Based on God's Word, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life? Has there come that point in time where you exchanged your sin for His righteousness? Where, he, where God declared you righteous? where God, based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, with a gavel came down and He looked at you and said, Not guilty. Not based on what you have done, but based on what Jesus Christ did for you. Has there come that point in time? Uh, some of you have had this conversation. You'll ask someone, Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? And someone will say this, Well, I think I've always known. I think I've always been saved. Well, if you've always been saved, then the Bible is not true. Because Jesus Christ said, ye must be born again. How many of you ladies are glad that when you gave birth, it did not last a lifetime? Right? Are, are you thankful for that? The new birth doesn't last a lifetime either. It's a, it's a point in time. You are delivered, not into this world, from this world. That's what the new birth is. And so this book is written for people who have experienced the new birth. They have passed from death unto life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's who this book is written for. If you're not saved, you have to start right at the beginning with the first point that we'll get to in a minute. So let's read on. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now let me say this. If you're not born again, grace and peace cannot be multiplied unto you. The Bible says, He that believes shall be saved, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You don't have to wait until you die to be condemned. If you're not born again, you're condemned right now. You are under the condemnation of God. And God doesn't owe you another breath. You could die before the service is over, and you would end up in a Christless hell for all eternity. I don't want to tell you that you have peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I don't want to tell you that you have that. Why? Because you don't have it. You don't have it. The only way that you can have peace is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But those of us who have received Jesus Christ, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Christ alone, we can have grace and peace. Through what? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Knowledge. Now, I want you to go through just a couple of verses with me real quick before we look at the, the specifically the text. We have a no-so faith. Do you ever watch, you know, uh, you, you look at polls that are taken? 
And, you know, 80% of people in America believe in Jesus Christ. 10% don't. You know, they believe that he existed. 10% don't know. Right? Um, how many of you think that Al-Qaeda is a threat to the Middle East or ISIS is a threat to the Middle East? You know, you'll have 97% of the people say yes, 3% say, I don't know. Who are these people who don't know? You know that there are 10% of Americans who believe in aliens? That's like 30 million people who think there's aliens. And I'm not talking about the illegal kind. I mean, it's, they think that there are you know, extraterrestrial. There are that many people. But there are always people who, I don't know. If someone asked you about your faith, why are you a Christian? I don't know. Why do you believe in right and wrong? I don't know. Why do you believe in good and evil? I don't know. Why do you have hope for the future? I don't know. Why do you think that 2015 could be better than 2014? I don't know. That's not the way that we want to be. The Bible says that... Here, let, let's look at it. Um, let's see. Look at First Peter... Uh, chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So set Him apart. Make God special. All right? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And what does it say? And be ready. How often? Always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So in in First Peter... We're supposed to be ready with an answer. In 2 Peter, we learn that that answer comes from knowledge. We're supposed to be no-so Christians. We're not supposed to base everything on feelings. We know that, right? And yet there ought to be some feelings. There's nothing worse than someone who knows a lot and has no feelings. You go to the doctor. The doctor says you have cancer. Well, what does that mean? You're going to die. Thanks. That'll be $140. Is that the doctor that you want to go to? No, 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 no. That's not the Christian you want to know either. You see, we, and we'll see that in our text. We're supposed to add to our knowledge some things. But let's look at a couple of passages here in 2 Peter. So we're in 2 Peter chapter 1 and look at verse 2 again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the what? The knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Look at verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, what? Knowledge. Uh, look at verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Though you already know them, you have the knowledge of this, Peter says, I'm not going to be negligent. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to bring them to your remembrance. Look at verse 14. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown. Remember, God told Peter that when he was old, they were going to carry him away. So God told Peter that he was going to die when he was old. And he says here, I know that I'm going to put off this tabernacle, this body. That's going to happen. I know that. Do you know that your life is not, in this physical presence, is not forever? Are you aware of that? Right? You need to know that. Peter knew that. And that caused him to do some things. Um, look at verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. You see, Peter, James, and John, they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they were, they were present. They saw His majesty, 
And then Peter made known unto his followers, his pupils, those things about him. He knew it and he wanted them to know it. We have a no-so faith. Look at verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Man, is there anything more needful in Christianity than that? If you get something from the Bible that no one else ever has, you're wrong. Amen? You're just wrong. The Bible is not of any private interpretation. There is, uh, there is a, a common understanding of the Scriptures. Boy, that's another message, isn't it? Why are there so many different religions then? Because there are too many private interpretations. Let me tell you what this passage means to me. Well, what if you had never been born? Does the passage then have no meaning? What we need to know is what does the passage mean to God? And then I know what it's supposed to mean to me. What are we talking about? Knowledge. Now, I'll say this. Grace Baptist Church is definitely a no-so church. We're based on truth and on knowledge, and we spend all of our time teaching. And you know the, the door hangers that we take out into the community to invite people to church, they say, if you would like to know God's Word better, come to Grace Baptist Church. Because this is what we do. We spend our time teaching and understanding and learning the Word of God. Amen? That's, that's what our job is. That's what we're supposed to do when we come together. But that's not where it ends. That's not where it ends. We are supposed to have a no-so faith. Now... I will say this, that when you have a no-so faith, that's not popular in this day and age, is it? Somebody says, well, I don't know the truth. Well, I do. Here, let me tell you what it is. Well, isn't that arrogant? No, it's not arrogant. I didn't make it up. It's not mine. God gave it to you. I'll tell you what he gave me. It's the truth. Aren't you glad we don't have math teachers that feel that way? Two plus two equals six. No, Johnny, that's not right. It's my truth. You have your truth, I have my truth. Oh, okay, great. In that case, you get an A. See, the reason that absolutes are applied to math and not to faith is because the world does not know our God. They don't know Him. And when they come face to face with absolutes, then they understand there's absolute right, there's absolute wrong, there's absolute good, there's absolute evil, there's absolute eternity, absolute reward, and absolute judgment. They're absolutes. They're absolutes. And so we accept that here, but how are we going to take that and make 2015 a better year than it ever was. How can I make sure that Jim Alter is closer to the Lord in 2015 than I was in 2014? I want that to happen. So now let's look at the text. Let's, let's get our formula for this. Start reading in verse uh, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. All right, so the, the, the first thing that we need to do is we need to know God and we need to know Jesus Christ. Do you know God? Do you know God? Now, let me, let's, make, let's make it clear. Do you know the God of the Bible? Do you know the God of the Bible? Um, I, how many of you saw that, that that plane that crashed and the little girl walked through the woods in Kentucky? How many of you saw that on the news? They were from Illinois, and a, a friend, someone who knew this family that had died, he said this, I'm kind of mad at God right now because of this. I'm mad at God right now. The problem is he doesn't know the one true God. If you know the one true God, then when something bad happens, you're not mad at him. You're thankful that you get another breath. You're thankful to God for that. Look at verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Glory and virtue. Glory is heaven. Virtue is earth. Right? Glory is what we have to look forward to. Aren't you glad this isn't the end? This isn't all there is. Uh, we were, Laura and I were, uh, I bought her a cookbook um, for our anniversary. And this Ina Garten, and she's, she's lost, and her husband are lost, is lost. And, but 
But the lifestyle that they describe is wonderful. They have a home in Paris and they spend every New Year's in Paris and they have this thing. That, how many of you would like to spend New Year's in Paris? I mean, that sounds fun. They have their own house there, their own place there, and it's wonderful. And they have pictures of their balcony and how, how wonderful it is with views of the Eiffel Tower. And Doesn't that sound cool? But this was the conversation that we had. I'm glad they get to enjoy it because it's as good as it will ever get. I don't get to look out at the Eiffel Tower. I, I, I look out at a rental house. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get to look out at something. But you know what I get to do? I get to go to heaven. That's glory. That, that's glory. But then virtue is how I live out the Christian life here on this earth. So glory in the future and virtue now. That's what God gives us. And the Bible says He's given us everything that we need for it. Do you see that in verse 3? According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's given it all to us. Now, look at verse 4. How are we going to do it? Let's stop and look up here for a minute. And I know this is a little scattered. It'll become Lord willing. A little more structured here in a second. Um, how many of you, honestly, you want to be closer to the Lord than you are now? Now, here's what happens with me. I want to do that, but my flesh is really strong. You know what I mean by that? The, the, the sin nature that is in me is really strong. I want to be closer. And so sometimes when I, I have that desire, here's what comes up in me. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I want to answer that. You're right. I'm right in that, and you're right. But look at what the Bible tells us in verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, these promises, ye might be partakers of the what? Divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So now you know that maybe a month ago I preached a message on the old man and the new man. The new man is this divine nature. God has given, if you're saved, you have that divine nature. You've heard there's divine spark in all men. That's just a lie. It's not true. The only divine that comes in you is when you get saved, when the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. So God has given you that new nature, and so you have these great and precious promises. So, AJ, imagine if I said, hey, I promise you, you're going to get to play for Duke next year. He doesn't like Duke. You're telling me that if Shashasky came to you and said you get to play at Duke, you'd say no. Well, if I could play at Duke, I'd play somewhere else. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're killing my illustration right now. I want you to know that. Okay, what do you like? Kentucky? Ohio? Okay, Kentucky. All right, that's right. They don't read, so he just... Okay, now, I'm sorry. It's just a little joke. We have folks... It's just a little joke. We do live in Sid-Tucky, I understand. Okay, so now he gets... So I promise you, I promise you, you get to do this. There's only one problem. Are you good enough to play at Kentucky? <laughs> I know that's mom and dad. Oh, don't do that to him. It's my baby. But what if I could give you that ability right now? Would that be awesome? If I could give you my leaping ability. <laughs> that changed, didn't it? <laughs> you could almost slip a credit card under me on my vertical. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's what God says. For him, that would be a dream, playing for Kentucky. When I was, I was thinking yesterday, I'm watching a football game, and I, all those dreams come back. I want to be a running back in the NFL. I'm a little past my prime. Okay, and it was funny. I still had that. I was sitting there, and I was thinking, what would happen if I could do that? It would be a miracle like the virgin birth. So here, he has this desire. What if I could give him that ability? Would that be cool? That'd be awesome. And there's all kinds of fiction about that, right? Something happens, you get struck by lightning, and you can run fast. I suppose you got struck by lightning, you'd run somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but what the Bible says is we have great and precious promises, but not only does He give us the great and precious promises, He also gives us the divine nature to accomplish those things. That's awesome. But, you know, sometimes the, the hype... The, the encouraging, you know, the, the motivational speakers. Uh, have you seen that commercial with uh, Pinocchio? 
and he's the, he's the, the motivational speaker. And he says, you can do anything. And his nose starts growing. Oh, no. <laughs> that's hilarious because that's the truth. Can I tell you something? You can't do anything you want to do. Sorry, young people. You can't do anything you want to do, but you can do whatever God wants you to do because God will give you the ability to do that. It changes everything. So if I want this new year to be a better year spiritually than the last one, do you know what the good news is? God's given me a divine nature so that that can be accomplished. What do I have to do? Get out of the way. I have to get out of the way. Now look at verse 5. And beside this, beside this, um, I do want to say, look at uh, the next word. Giving all diligence. Giving all diligence. And then we have this list of things that we want to accomplish in 2015. Giving all diligence. How bad do you want it? I asked you, how many of you want to be closer to the Lord in 2015 than you were in 2014? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Do you know what you need to ask God for? A new wanter. My wanter is broken, man. I get the email and the store, Brooks Brothers, comes through and they've got the sale and I start looking through all the stuff at Brooks Brothers that I want. I saw this duffel bag. I said, that would be nice. And I pull it up. It's $1,100. What are the chances of me getting an $1,100 bag? And you know what I'd do if I got it? I'd sell that thing, man. $1,100. That's a lot of money for a bag. But I, I get these emails and it's fun to look at the stuff. And, you know, Gander Mountain or Bass Pro or Golf Galaxy or Tiffany's, right, ladies? Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Now, it's really important that we get this. I need a new wanter. I need to want God more than I want those things. Now, some of you don't have that problem. You don't want anything. Uh, dial tone. Uh, never up, never down. Uh. So the idea of you coming closer to God, you don't really care. Do you know what you need to ask for? You need to ask for more passion. You need to ask God for that, that want to. So there, there are only two kinds of people in this church today. Those who need a new want to, right? And those who need a want to. We either need a new one or we need one. Where are you? Where are you? So what are we going to do? We're going to give all diligence, verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence. Now, add. Add. Now, some of you, you haven't gotten this far in school yet. Add means more. Right? It's growth. Add to your faith. Virtue. Now, that's where we started. We started this whole message. Look at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious what? Faith. So, what is faith? Faith is where you believe in Jesus Christ for your eternal life. That's it. You don't believe in your baptism. You don't believe in your good works. You don't believe in your family. You believe in Jesus Christ for your eternal life. That's the faith. That's where we're starting. But what are we supposed to add to that? Add to your faith... Virtue. Add to your faith, virtue. Now, we've all heard that the definition of virtue is moral excellence. And that is, that is a good definition. But let's bring it down to reality. Here's what virtue is. Do what you know. To him to know, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Have you ever said this to your kids? You know better. You know better. What is that? You're asking for virtue. Virtue is doing what you know. Do what you know. Virtue is the doing. Uh, keep your place in Second Peter, and let's go through some verses. Look with me at um, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Interesting, for the coming through the Christmas season, how many of you know that the Virgin Mary is referenced a lot in Catholicism? Is that right? The Virgin Mary is mentioned a lot. This is the last thing that Mary said in the Bible. John chapter 2, all the way at the beginning. John chapter 2 and verse 5. These are the last recorded words of Mary. 
His mother saith unto the servants, we're John chapter 2, verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Those are the last words of Mary in the Bible. That's good advice. Whatever Jesus says, do it. What is that? That's virtue. So here's how you're going to grow in 2015. Here's how you're going to engage in 2015. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Whatever the Bible tells you to do, do it. When Pastor Nathan teaches you guys something in the youth department, what are you supposed to do? Do it. Do it. You are supposed to do what the Bible says. So that's one of the problems with a no-so church. We're going to tell you a lot that the Bible says. And then what are we going to expect? Do it. That's going to be our new theme. Just do it. <laughs> no, it's not. Someone else already took that. <laughs> but isn't that a great thought for a Christian? Though, just do it. Whatever God wants you to do, just do it. That is virtue. It is the doing of the thing that God has told us to do. Go to John chapter 7. So the Bible says, add to your faith virtue. The next one is knowledge. We're not there yet, but this will tie the two together. John chapter 7 and verse 17. Those of you in our discipleship training have seen this. <clears throat> John chapter 7 and verse 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. All right, let's read that again. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So if, if I'm going to add to my faith virtue, so faith is believing, virtue is doing what I know. All right? And then if I'm going to add to virtue knowledge, well, the knowledge won't come until I do what I know. That's what the Bible says. If I want to know right doctrine, I've got to live the doctrine that I already know. That's why the greatest Bible teachers in the world are those who know God. They know God. Um, I was reading one of my commentaries, and this, this the guy writing the commentary said he went to this college where one of the foremost Greek scholars in the world was his teacher. He had memorized all 5,000 words in the Greek grammar. He knew, he knew all of them. He's one of the greatest teachers in the world. He had another teacher, that, that world-renowned teacher, at, a, at a, a fundamentalist Bible college, seminary. And he said, and he described the, the knowledge that these men had. And he said, neither one of them had ever led anyone to the Lord in their entire lives. So what did they have? They had faith, they knew the Lord, and they had knowledge, but they didn't have virtue. They weren't doing what God had told them to do. So add to your faith virtue. That's high moral standards, ethical principles. Do what you know. Go back to 2 Peter, verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. Knowledge. Again, we're a no-so church. We, we want to know things. We don't want to be in the abstract. We want to know some things. But we need to be diligent in that. Um, man, I hope Ohio State beats Oregon. Let me tell you this. If they're conditioning, listen, listen very carefully. If the Buckeyes conditioning started this week, they're going to lose. Have you ever seen anybody run like Oregon runs? How many of you have seen Oregon play? The, the tempo that they run at. Our defense is going to have to be in great shape physically. But the good news is we have a coach, Urban Meyer, who knew that. And so one of the first things he did was make the conditioning of our athletes better than it was before. Why? He's giving all diligence. He's giving all diligence. If we're going to give all diligence to make sure that I'm doing what I know, and that ought to be your prayer every day, every moment, Lord, you've taught me this, help me to do it. And that happens when you go into the workplace, when you go to school, when you're watching television. All of those things, they're very important. But now let's get to this, add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge. So first is do what you know. Knowledge, increase what you know. Increase what you know. Can I tell you this? We've not arrived. We've not arrived. I hope that I never stop learning. Have you ever heard a preacher? And it seems like they preach the same sermons over and over and over. Now, I tell the same jokes over and over and over again. 
but I hope that I keep learning. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see that? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know the Lord better. I want to know His Word better. I want to learn. I want to keep learning and growing. Increase knowledge. That ought to be a goal. So what's your goal? Right? First one, if you're not saved, get saved. Second, if you're saved... If you're saved, add to your faith virtue. Do what you know. Do what you, don't raise your hand. How many, but how many of you know something that you're supposed to be doing and you're not? All right? Then add to your faith virtue and your virtue knowledge. Learn more. Learn more. It takes work. Study is work. The Bible says that study is a weariness of the bones. And how many of you would say, that, yeah, it really is. I hate studying it. Right? And, you know, God, God puts you in a place to where you might not have to do that. You know, some of you, you, know, you go into my library and see the books and the work, all of that, and you'd say, I could never do that. Well, that's why God didn't call you to be a preacher. But He did call you to know more than you know now. Amen? That's what we have to do. Knowledge. Increase in what you know. Um, knowledge of God. That's in verse 2. Knowledge of the Scriptures. That's verses 20 and 21. Then... Let's look, look at verse 6. And to knowledge, temperance. To knowledge, temperance. So here we have virtue, do what you know. Knowledge, increase what you know. And then temperance is refine what you know. Refine what you know. Um, let's just go to this text with me. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Boy, this is a tremendous passage for this thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Now, how many of you ever watched a, a sprint, you know, 100 yard? No, it's not 100 yards anymore, 100 meters. You watch those guys. Do any of them look like they're trotting? No, they're running all out. They're, they're giving it their all. Um, and that's what the text says. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Now, one of the problems in Western culture now is the idea that we're all winners. Amen? We're not all winners. I mean, go, go drive around Sydney. There are some people that are losers. They stink at life. They don't have to, but they do. And where does that begin? It begins with telling everybody that they're great. You're not. We all need to do better. Amen? God created us all with gifts and abilities and talents. We're supposed to use those for Him. And if we'll direct all of that toward Him, we'll have a fantastic life. Is that the truth? I mean, that is the truth. But here it says only one obtains the prize. So now imagine this. Here we are at Grace Baptist Church. There's probably 160 people here today. Imagine if only one of us could be the winner, spiritually. Of course it would be me. No, it would probably be somebody that you don't even know. It's interesting how that works, isn't it? The people that are closest to God. But this is really important. You are running not my race, and I'm not running your race. You're running your own race. And you can obtain the prize that God has set before you. Isn't that awesome? So now look at the text. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. I was listening to Chris Carter talk about... Um, what he would do to be the best receiver that he could be. And he said, I was not as physically gifted as some of the other receivers in the NFL. But he described how he would um, eat carefully to make sure that everything was right 
Why? So that he could have the mastery of his body so that he could be the best receiver he could be. Now, I'm glad I don't have to do that to be a great preacher. (laughs) But it's interesting. It's interesting that according to this text, that every winner gets mastery over his body. Isn't that interesting? So if we want to be winners spiritually, we need to get master, mastery over our bodies. Look at the next verse. It's still verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's, let's look at what this is talking about. My job, Jim Alter, my job is to be a preacher of the Word of God. What if you find out that I'm an alcoholic? Is that going to limit my effectiveness? Seriously. How about this? What if you find out that I'm immoral? that I'm looking at things on the computer that I'm not supposed to, or I've been unfaithful to my wife. Is that going to affect my ability to be the pastor of Grace Baptist Church? Right? You're not going to be, oh, we'll just pray for you that you get better. No, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my life. That might not be the case for you. You might be able to look at pornography if you're a man and keep your job. You might be able to commit adultery and keep your job. You ladies, same thing. You might be able to do that. But you cannot do those things and be a good Christian. Is that right? I cannot accomplish what God wants me to accomplish with my life if I am not in control of my body. What if I have a gambling addiction? Right? So whatever it is, that is detrimental. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs over and over and over again that I'm not supposed to give myself to anything that can control me other than God. Is that right? And so there are many things that a person could get involved in that can hurt them. So we as believers, we're supposed to set those things aside. And let me just add this. I think that this is clearly talking about spiritual things, but I think that we can learn some of the physical things too. You can't serve God if you're too sick to serve Him. And if the way that you eat or your lack of exercise, if all of those things keep you from being keeping your body in subjection, you're not going to be able to do what God wants you to do. What if you couldn't teach a class anymore because your health wouldn't allow you to? Now, let's step back. If you have health problems that aren't based on behavior, well, God knows right exactly where you are. Amen? That's not what I'm talking about here. All right, so now, let's temperance. Refine what you know. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Would someone describe you as temperate or would they describe you as out of control? I want to be better. This year, I want to be more temperate. I want to be more in control. Then, let's, I know I've got to be done. Let me say this. We are a culture that likes to take a pill to help us be temperate. Diet pill, mood pill, right? Whatever. Here's a a qualifier. If you have some kind of mental disease that requires medication, take the medication. I have acid reflux. I take medication for that. You know what that helps me do? Drink coffee. Yes. Okay. It, you know, whatever. You know, if you've got a cholesterol issue and you take cholesterol medication, you need take your medication. But what I'm talking about are things that should be taken care of with temperance, with self-control. And yet we rely on medication for that. How many of you think that's what God wants us to do? And here's where it gets bad. Now we want the government to pay for it. You see how the country gets to be a mess? We're required to have health care. Why? Because we decided that it was the government's responsibility to care for the health of everyone. 
Well, if it's the government's responsibility to care for the health of everyone, well, then everyone's going to have to have health care. And if everybody has to have health care, then everybody has to pay for it, except for those who don't. And then the rest of us pay for theirs. It's this slippery slope. How about everybody just takes care of themselves? And then if there's somebody that really needs help, we as a culture, we as a church, we'll help them. Amen? So what do we need? We need temperance. We as believers, we need to be the picture of that. We need to be Grace Baptist Church ought to be the place where we are in control of our lives. We're in control of our finances. We're in control of our diets. We're in control of our morality. We're in control of our behavior. We're in control of our demeanor. We're in control of our moods. We're in control of our anger. We're in control of all of these things. Why? Because we have a divine nature. The Holy Spirit of God is in us, and if we will yield to Him and obey Him, then all of a sudden we're different from the rest of the world. So virtue, do what you know. Knowledge, increase what you know. Temperance, refine what you know. Then go back to Second Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 6. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, this is everybody's favorite one, patience. Okay, how do you get patience? Tribulation, trouble. How many of you want tribulation and trouble? No, no. And I don't think God wants us to ask for that. You know, we're not, we're not going to a monastery where we're going to beat each other. Okay, self-flagellation. We're, we're not going to do that. But what happens is God allows things to come into our lives to refine us. And so do you know what patience is? Allow God to refine what you know. Allow God to refine what you know. Boy, we could talk about it. You, you get patience by going through trouble. Now, let me ask you this. How are you doing in the trouble area? I know many of you had trouble in this last year. How have you responded to the trouble? Are you growing from it? Are you becoming a better Christian? Are you becoming closer to the Lord? Are you going farther from Him? So, do what you know. Increase what you know. Refine what you know. Patience is allow God to refine what you know. And then look at our text again. Verse 6, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. Godliness. What is godliness? That's exercise what you know. Exercise what you know. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and look at verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' tales and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather to godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that is now that now is and of that which is to come. It's so important that we get this. Bodily exercise, it's profitable. It profits for now. Exercise to godliness, that profits for eternity. So it doesn't mean don't do the one. It means do both. Exercise physically and exercise to godliness. Godliness is exercising what you know. We are a no-so church. Let's live out in the community the things that we've learned. Then, go back to our text. Verse 7. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. What is brotherly kindness? Brotherly kindness is to help, is help having, it's helping others to know what you know. It's not talking about just be nice to people. No, that would help. All right? I've just got to tell you, folks, let's not be like our neighbors. Let's be different. Uh, whenever I want to introduce someone to Shelby County, you know, guest preachers, we'll be driving somewhere and I'll say, hey, wave at that person. And they wave. And here's what they get back. <laughs> How many of you have ever had that happen to you? Who's waving at me? I don't know you don't want to know you. I hate you. <laughs> don't be like that. Be kind. We were in Virginia, and all of us were shocked at how nice everybody was. Laura met a lady in the parking lot, and they're walking into a store to spend thousands, Laura and her sister. They're, they're going in. And, and so this lady, she says, she had just unpacked her stuff. And she said, hey, you want a buggy? Right? They don't call them carts. They call them buggies, right? You want a buggy? And Laura said, well, thank you. She said, well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Hope you have a great... And, and this lady, she's never even seen her before. It, it, it's like overwhelmed with niceness. So let's be kind. Let's be that. Right? Let's, let's be friendly. Let's be kind. Let's be hospitable. 
But that's not the point of this text. The point of this text is brotherly kindness is helping someone else to know what God has shown you. We've got to move out of the physical realm into the spiritual realm. That's what discipleship is about. You don't know something until you can tell it to someone else. So help others to know. The Bible says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This is a godly discipline that we should diligently pursue. Then look at the last one. And this is tough. Verse 7, And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. What is charity? Embody what you know. Embody what you know. Be what you know. What is charity? It's love that gives. Love that gives. Look at the definition of charity. Look at Colossians chapter 3. This is the last passage we're going to look up. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 14. So we have all these characteristics in verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14. And what, what, are those, what are those next two words? And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So what is maturity? What is perfectness? What is completeness? Charity. It's love that gives. It's love that gives. Are you a grudging giver when there's a need? We present a need for a missionary. And I've never had anyone say this. This would just be internal. There he goes, asking for money again. Well, how else are we going to present to you the needs that people that we care for have? We tell you those things. What is maturity? Cheerful giving. Cheerful giving. Do you know a great, thing, a great goal for this year? You know a great goal for you for this year, for 2015? I'm going to tithe every week. You get paid once a month, I'm going to tithe every month. I'm, I am going to meet my responsibility to fund the work of God. That's the baby step. Tithing, that's just giving God what's His. Right? That's not even giving. That's, that's me giving my car key to Nick and saying, Nick, will you drive my car to my house for me? Now imagine Nick does that, drops off the car, and he looks at Yvonne and says, I did it. I didn't keep that car. Is that a great accomplishment? No. If he kept it, what would it have been? Stealing. Stealing. And a hush fell on the congregation. So, if you don't tithe, what are you doing? It's like three people answered. If you're not tithing, what are you doing? Okay, let me try this again. If you're not tithing, where God said God gives you 100% of your income, right? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Do we agree on that? Amen. Again, three people. Do we agree on that? If you earn a living, it's because God gave you the ability to earn the living, right? And so God gives you income. And let's say that your income is $1,000. And you have that $1,000. God gives you 100% of that $1,000. Now, the government takes a certain percentage. Right? More than they should. We all agree on that? No problem. And yet, is there anyone here who did not drive on the roads to get here? If you did not drive on the roads to get here, raise your hand. Is there anyone here that if you had a fire, you would not call the fire department? Or if someone was breaking into your house, you would not call the police? Anybody here, your, your kids aren't educated, they don't go to school, they don't... That's where those taxes go. All right? So God gives you $1,000, government takes 200 You have eight, $800 left. Well, the Bible says to give 10% of your increase. Your increase. Well, your increase includes the roads, it includes your sewer, it includes all of those, your protection. So now, God has given you $1,000, and He says this. He says this. I'm going to give you all of that. Here's what I want. 
I want you to take a hundred of it to the church. Will you do that? We, th- this, this is mine. I'm giving it to you. Will you take it to the church? Just like I gave Nick my car keys and asked him to take him to the house. God gives you the thousand dollars and says, take a hundred of it to the church. Is that right? I'm going to start over. Is, is that right? Is that clear in Scripture? It is. It is. So here's my question. Are you doing that? Some of you are. Some of you aren't. If you're not, what are you doing? Three people. If you're not, what are you doing? Remember, above all, charity. Above all. That is embodying what you know. Add to your faith virtue that's doing what's right. Add to virtue, knowledge, that's increasing what you know. Add to knowledge, temperance, that's refining what you know. Add to temperance, patience, that's allowing God to refine what you know. And then add to that, godliness, that's exercising what you know. Add to that, brotherly kindness, that's teaching someone else what you know. And then when you're really mature, what you're going to do is you're going to give. You're going to give. So now, the, the, the tithe... Are y'all ready for this? That's not giving. That's not giving. I've heard a preacher say this recently. Somebody said, well, I tried giving and I didn't get anything back. He said, that's why it's called giving. It's not called investing. <laughs> it's awesome. So funny. But it is interesting because of all the health, wealth, you know. If you'll sow the seed of faith, God's going to give you a new yacht whatever. Okay? Now, what I just described with Nick, that's not charity. That's integrity. What is charity? After I have taken my 10% that belongs to God, and it all belongs to Him, right? You know, we all sing that song. I surrender one-tenth. No, I surrender all. We sing it, but... So, he's taken what belongs to God, that 10% that God said take to the church, and he's put it in the offering. Charity is, now there's a need. I'm going to meet that need. I might not be meet all of it, but I'm going to do what I can to meet that need. That's charity. So, what should we pray for? We should pray that, number one, that my faith will increase this year. When I was in college, I dated a girl named Faith. She came back from break, and she was fat. I'd prayed that my faith would increase, and God had answered my prayer. (laughs) So you have faith. And you add to your faith virtue. I need to pray that God will enable me to do more of what I know. Knowledge. And as I do more of what I know, He reveals more knowledge to me through the Scriptures. I am more temperate. I'm more in control of my emotions, my passions, everything. More in control of it. And then, brotherly kindness, godliness, all of those things. And charity. You see, how am I going to engage 2015? By doing what God wants me to do. And now let me ask you this last question and we'll be done. This is it. Will my year be better if I do what God wants me to do or worse? What does that come all the way back to? Faith. Do I believe that God's plan for me is the best plan? Or do I believe that my plan with a little God sprinkled in is the best? No, no. So what are we going to do? We're going to, beside all this, giving all diligence, we're going to, let's all stand together and let's read this together. Let's read the text and we'll be done. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> Ready? And beside all this, I'm sorry, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge 
and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be a great 2015? Amen. Here's the warning. If you're not right with God, some of this will offend you. You know why? Because the virtue is lacking. You're not wanting to do what you're supposed to do. Can I tell you something? There's lots of areas where I don't want to do what I'm supposed to do. That's why I'm so glad God gave me a divine nature. And if I'll rely on Him, He'll help me. If you'll rely on Him, He'll help you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for the challenge from the Scriptures that I need desperately.